Six pack lap, and I just want to give a shout out to our sponsors before we get on with the show. And we got a good one today. Got my man Matt Gary as the co host and as a guest. The 105 kilo champion returns, Bryce Lewis. Before we get to that, let's give a shout out to fusionmuscle.com. They can supply all the supplements, everything you want, whether it's creatine, multivitamins, pre-workout, protein. They got it all at FusionMuscle.com. Make sure you use promo code KOTL25 and get 25% off of all of your supplements. They will drop it off at your door. FusionMuscle.com. All right, let's get on with the show. You 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 are going to Dubai early, aren't you? Yeah, we're leaving November 9th. Oh wow. Okay, got it. What's yeah, that's man, that's coming up quickly. What are you doing yeah, in what are you doing in Dubai? Uh, Natalie's got open worlds. So we're headed out there and um, just going to stay a little bit early so that she gets acclimated to the time zones and, you know, just has time to kind of finish her training there instead of finishing it all here and rushing out. What's, have you, is, have either of you ever been to Dubai before? I have. And what's it like? Is it like everybody says, were you there before, Matt? No, this will be my first time. Susie's competing on the open team as well. So what's Dubai like? Because I, I, you hear stories like it is a complete trip. Yeah, so the the weirdest thing about Dubai is that there's construction everywhere. So every every other building is not done yet. It's still being made. So it's really just kind of growing up and out of the desert, uh, injected with a lot of investor money and, and just building and stuff like that. Um, the downtown area kind of struck us as a nicer, cleaner version of Las Vegas. So, you know, lots of big buildings. Um Shopping, restaurants, and and stuff like that. But it's it's really cool. Yeah, because it's don't they? You hear stories about Dubai where they like have like man made sea or something. They just like they'll they'll whatever they want to do. It's like they're billionaires <laughs> and they're like making their own massive never never land ranch if they want. They just freaking <laughs> have it's it's wild. You get you hear stories about. It. I'm like how I see pictures and it looks like the future. You know, it's crazy. Yeah. yeah, in a lot of ways it really is. There are those man-made islands, and, and I think there's even a place where you can go snowboarding. Just, like, they generate snow inside. They have a downhill uh, That's track, just mastery of the elements kind of thing. Yeah. It's, um, I mean, they're, what's the deal with the, is it just, like, the richest people in the world live there? Um, so they don't have a whole lot of, um, I would say the financial services and kind of, uh, tech and stuff like that as their main export. Um, a lot of uh, expatriates live there. You know, people not from Dubai, people from, from other places, but there's a lot of money for sure um, that kind of make things go around there. Like they have different, we think we have money. They have a different kind of money. Some of them, um, people from Dubai will come to the U.S. and bring their cars specifically to have the Dubai plates and everything just to show off. Like, hey, look, like this is the type of money I'm rolling with. <laughs> Like just yeah. hit like the type like million dollar car and then throw another million souping it up like just crazy money to buy. 
You're so we, we learned this kind of like social hierarchy there. Like the lower the number on your license plate, the more you paid to get it. And so like it's, it's a sign of prestige if your car has like a three digit or less license plate number. And so we were saw like I saw three as we were riding around like, oh, that person must be like, you know, high up in the building or something like that. And doesn't it, so correct me if I'm wrong, because I just heard a podcast not long ago. I think it might have been the fighter and kid. Is there a million dollar license plate where you pay another million and the license plates just lower numbered? I would think so. Which is insane, man. It's a plate. Like this is one of those deals where, I mean, I've never been one of those dudes who cares overly about material things. Like I, as long as I get from A to B, a car's a car. I'm not a car guy, but there's literally like to think that, okay, a nice car, whatever, if that's your thing. But to pay a million dollars for a license plate just to show how rich you are, that's like the, it paid to be a vanity, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, damn, it's a whole nother culture. It would, like, are there, are there poor people in Dubai? Well, they just... <laughs> yeah, there are. Yeah. So a lot of people just kind of come into the city to work and then go out to, to where they live. <clears throat> um. Yeah, that's kind of like, because I'm close to Toronto, it's kind of like Toronto where uh, Monday to Friday business hours it's like four times the size because everybody just drives into Toronto. So it's like yeah. four mm-hmm. times the size for Monday and Friday during business. Like, it just swells. With the traffic is insane. But um, that's where those billionaires get their helicopters and land on the top of their buildings probably in Dubai. They get yeah. the traffic all, all yeah. together. So this time when we go out, we're going to get to go to the top of the Burj Khalifa, the tallest building in the world, and, and see that. So that'll be fun. Is yep. Burj Khalifa the tallest in the world? Uh, let me double check. I, I think so. I, yeah, I think I think it is because w- when we were in Taiwan in 2009 for World Games, we went to the top of the building there, and um, I think at that time the one in Taiwan was the tallest. But I think now the one in Dubai is the tallest. If but Bryce is going to check, I, I I think it is. And what's the CNC? Look again, yeah. Toronto. What about the CN Tower? Uh, is that the one in the uh, Singapore? Um, for that, well, I mean, the CN Tower in Toronto. For for me, oh okay. I, like I isn't isn't wasn't that at some point one of the tallest? Maybe that's getting maybe it's got outdated. It's it's got to be like I think the the World Trade Center was for a little while. So this is yeah. the tallest building in the world, tallest freestanding structure in the world, highest number of stories in the world. How many stories are in that bad boy? Uh, like 154, 55. I, you'd love to see that thing being built, right? Like, how in yeah. the world do they even build it? <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, Where there is a will, there is a way. That's the type of money, man. They, if they, you know, they're gonna put as many stories as they need to be the tallest. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. How, t- how far we gotta go reaching it to the sky? Because we gotta be number one when you got that kind of money, that kind yeah. of prestige. So you guys are going there a little early just to tour around. Are you going there early as well, Matt? Uh, we leave on the 14th, so not quite as early as Bryce and Natalie. Um, you know, just just a few days before, which is which is kind of typical for Susie. I mean, she she travels well, um, and she's been doing this for such a long time. She's got her body pretty much in tune and in check. I mean, she's already on body weight and all that good stuff, and she lifts on Monday, so mm. she's she's ready to rock. We got one or two heavy sessions left, and then we'll kind of taper on in. So nice. What's, what's the weather yeah. like in Dubai? It's it's pretty hot, isn't it? It's, it's, yeah. yeah, yeah. We're checking the weather. It's it's in the nineties right now. Yeah, I was looking on my phone as well. It's it's gonna be hot. Because <laughs> so. at least it's November and not like July. 
Were yes. you, yeah. Where you are yeah. just straight up struggling. Because, um, I mean, when I've been to, like, Vegas in, in, the, in the summertime, been to Vegas, and um, as a it's dude, hot. like, Toronto weather is a lot like New York weather. It actually is, like, pretty much bang the same as New York weather where, and we were walking around in, in, like, the summer in Vegas, and, I mean, man, we were, like, sweating through T-shirts and, like, man, how do people live out here? This is insane. Mm-hmm. You were, like, dipping into hotels or, or casinos just to get that mist hit you because you're like, I'm not going to make, you know, our trip. <laughs> you know, like, you got to take intermissions just from being outside. I can't even imagine what Dubai would be like in, like, mm-hmm. the summertime. <laughs> you know, if this, yeah, like if, a scorcher. if this is, like, yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so let's, uh, I want to bring it back. It's been a hot minute since we had you on there, Bryce. I believe, um, was it before Calgary? Uh, I believe so, yeah. So, and, 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 and Matt, were you handling Bryce in Calgary as well? Uh, yeah, we kind of t- uh, teamed up uh, his his coach who does this programming, um, Eric Helms, made the trip as well. Oh, that's so, right, I remember, yeah. And, you know, yeah, and Susie was the national team head coach. So, uh, yeah, so so it was uh, it was it was Bryce and uh, myself and Eric, with you know, Eric and, and myself kind of handling Bryce that day. And I wanted to bring it back a little bit to Calgary just for um, – for because we haven't had you on since then. And obviously – Calgary went well. It was the big battle of the 105s. And I swear to God, the 105s in Calgary, like, you know you're in a hot session when, the like, usually the bench press is a bit of an intermission when it comes to, like, excitement. And the bench event had people on their feet and cheering and the world record was being smashed and volleyballed back and forth. And, like, that was right to the very last deadlift. You know, the Canadian kid, we had our, our Canadian Bryce pulling big, trying to make something happen. And you had... World record breakers, um, Bryce Krawcheck from Canada had like hit a silver medal before at the World Championships. When dudes like that don't make the podium, that's very deep competition. Like that's, I mean, that's what sports is all about. You guys had like on that year four to five guys who, in any given situation, could have nabbed the gold if the door all opened up. So it was a, a phenomenal in terms of like showing for you guys all collectively, and then. To walk away when it's like the most heated battle, walk away with the win, walk with the gold medal. I mean, that was, it was, it was definitely the session. And I've called, you know, I call them all. I'm lucky. Um, I'm a lucky guy. That was definitely the session of the world championship for me. Um, how was that for you two when you were in the thick of things? You know, I know you probably felt like, how does it feel when you're in the, the deepest division and, and there's that kind of pressure and that kind of, you know, focus on your division. Because I felt it when I landed in Calgary. Everybody's like, oh, the 105s, the 105s. Everyone knew when the 105 session was and was paying attention to it. Um, mentally, is it tough to, like, shut it off and deal with it? How, how do you deal with that? Um, yeah, it's, it's been pretty tough. Like, I've, I've developed kind of coping mechanisms that have made it easy. But I've had to acknowledge the pressure and been able to adjust. So, like... I don't follow a lot of the other 105s because seeing their training makes me feel worse about myself and my own training, even if things are going well. Like you just, someone's training might be different than yours and they might be going heavier earlier than you or their training lifts are heavier than they do in competition. Like all these these things that like are easy to talk about after the fact in the moment, you're just like, oh shit, this person just squatted 700, you know, and, and <laughs> yeah. I'm not, today I'm not squatting 700. and. 
I've learned that I just have to just push all that stuff aside and, you know, not really talk about my weight class. Like Ryan, you, you wanted to bring me on before nationals. And as I thought about it, kind of like, all right, well, let me just say that for afterwards and, and just not get, not get focused. You know, I think sometimes about other sports and, and these poor athletes who have to get interviewed like before game in the middle of the game, after the game, and just kind of having to dissect their performance while they're performing. Like that's crazy. It's 100%. I'm a big UFC fan and boxing fan. And I could not imagine um, like, like the UFC was on last night. Do you guys watch UFC by by any chance? I did. We didn't catch the one last night. Yeah, I missed it as well, but a little bit. But uh, I can't imagine two guys climbing into a cage, fighting in front of millions of people, and, and they pack a stadium, 30,000 people or whatever. And the whole week, they call it fight week, interview after interview after interview, the anxiety and the pressure, it would be insane. I, like, it, it would be absolutely insane. You know, and, um, and I totally get what you mean, where just in life period, a comparison is the thief of happiness. You, you can never, whenever you start comparing yourself to someone else, it's always a bad idea. Even if, even if you're comparing yourself as, oh, like you're better than them, it's feeding into a negative part of yourself, right? You're a negative part of your psyche in terms of ego. Comparison's never a good thing to start, start doing. I know what you mean. Um, on the flip side, you got it, like, whoever's handling, and, and, and Matt, I'm probably, you could attest to this. That's where having a handler helps because you need some kind of measuring stick, what to expect, how is this looking, etc. So that's kind of where when you hand off these duties, you know, uh, Matt who might not have, and Eric who might not have an emotional attachment to this could be like, all right, I'm just going to crunch the numbers and let it be numbers. But it, it, you're, you're 100% right where, especially on social media, it's only highlights. People are posting mm-hmm. highlights and you're seeing a top 700 squat. And you're like, oh, what does that mean? What, what was my top squat? In, right. At least when you've been around the block enough, now that you've won, you know, several nationals, you won a world championships, um, does it put things a little more perspective where you're like, man, you see patterns where it's like, it doesn't really matter. Like you've probably, if you, you've probably had training sessions that weren't even super great in a peak. And then when, the, and then come performance day and you've seen someone else's peaking on social media and you're like, oh my God, this is looking, yeah. I, to, to the point we had leading into Calgary. Um, two of the lifters, now I got to think back, I think it was Blevins and someone else on leading into the 105s. And I remember Blevins said something to the effect of, are people hyped up for this or are people kind of just leaning towards, well, Christoph's just going to take this. And I was like, no, I think people are definitely hyped. I think this is a battle. But, and he's like, yeah, me too. He's just gauging on what other people thought. Mm-hmm. And Christoph didn't even take second. Christoph damn near bombed. You know, that one lift he had, there was a wobble at the top, which is, which yeah. is and, um, and it gave it to one of that sports. I mean, I'm glad they did because him staying in the hunt made it more entertaining. But it just goes to show how, like, training and nominations, you could throw it out the window and you could really climb into your own head and psych yourself out. And yeah. um, do you do anything in terms of mental prep specifically, like, not necessarily what you don't do, but there's certain things you do uh, to, to get yourself ready mentally? For competition now? Yeah. Um, so remembering kind of two big things, and, and let me know if I cut out because I have a little poor connection thing up here, but I think we're okay for now. Um, two big realizations have kind of helped me temper expectations. One is 
Uh, I've had meets where openers felt like garbage and I had a great meet. So I just kind of have to separate training from performance on the platform. Um, and then just another realization that despite anyone's training, anything can happen the day of competition. You know, you can miss your opener for depth and have to retake it. And, you know, mm-hmm. all of a sudden that takes your, your reach third attempt out of the picture and, you know, you can have a better day than expected. You can have a worse day. So you just have to separate training from competition. But this competition specifically, um, with actually Matt's help, he sent me what was called a directive affirmation after watching one of my training videos, which is basically like, um, a script of values, I guess, kind of what's important to you and what you want to focus on. And, um, it's almost like a contract to yourself. And I, I love that idea and I printed it out. I bring it with me to the gym. I read it every day before training and I just put it in my bag and it just focused me for the session and kept me, um, anchored to the things that matter most. And, and Matt, if you want to talk a little bit more about where you found that, but yeah, uh, that was really helpful. Yeah, that's interesting, man, because I think the mental side of things, look at the bigger the sport gets, <laughs> the bigger the sport gets, I think we got nutrition coaches, programming coaches, handling coaches. The mental side, I think, is the next step. So where did you get that, Matt? Where, where, where did that come Yeah, I, I figured that. Yeah, I discovered it uh, through a book uh, called With Winning in Mind by Lenny Bassam, who was an uh, Olympic um, – uh, it, it was he, he earned the gold medal in the Olympics back in the late 70s in shooting, uh, not the biathlon, but just um, I forget the actual name of the event, but he was an Olympic medalist in shooting. And uh, to, long story short, he just has this uh, mental management system that, he, that he's created that allows you to focus on the process and the series of steps and rituals and habits and kind of uh, embedding those into your mind and focusing on those things rather than outcome. And so what you do is, is when, you, when, you, when you focus on your execution and the things that are within your con- control, then the, you know, all those external things that are kind of outside of your control are, are frankly quite trivial. And the outcome is going to wind up taking care of itself. So your, your, your best... Um, you know, your best bet is just to focus on the things that you can control. So he he really came up with this uh, directive affirmation that I thought would be a good idea to kind of send to Bryce. And it's, you know, it is. It's a it's an affirmation kind of quote. It's a statement that, as Bryce said, it, it focuses on your values, on on what it is that you want to accomplish. And, and uh, affirming positive, reinforcing statements, you know, basically saying, hey, it's like me to make three squats or it's like me to train hard and be consistent and to run a mental, uh, you know, uh, visualization program before every lift and to affirm myself. And that when I do make a mistake or I do have a bad set, you know, you just recognize, uh, uh, you know, the, the flaw, if you will, and then, and then kind of move on. You know, you focus on the next step and you kind of ditch that. Um, you know, it's all based on the fact that your mind is kind of like a box and there's only really, you know, an amount for a finite amount of information that you can put in there. And so you're, you're best focusing on the things that are positive uh, rather than negative. And if you continue, continue to fill your mind with positive affirmations and positive cues and mental imagery, then it helps to push out the bad stuff and the negativity. Yeah. No, it's, yeah. it's, it's true. When you focus on other people, such creating <clears throat> the anxiety comes in. When you focus yep. on yourself, it's not as bad. But when you start thinking about what someone else is going to bring to the table and outcomes and stuff, like that's, that's out of your control because it, 
especially with the 105s in Calgary, there was like five other, there's, everyone's contributing to the outcome. You, oh, for sure. It's not even one guy you're looking across. Calgary was bonkers. Um, mm-hmm. There was just too many variables. If, if you did best case, worst case scenarios, and it's a showdown with one other individual, okay, all right, you can maybe think, all right, I think this is where I see a squat. With Calgary, there's so much data and so many lifters, like, I, this could swing either which way. You know, you honestly, it, does it make it easier when there's more people and it's too hard to crunch? And you're like, look, it, uh, too many variables, so let's just rock and roll. Or is it easier when it's just one other guy and you probably got a better idea what the outcome is? Is it better to be lost in the shuffle? What do you think? I would brace. Did you get that right? Um, I I just kind of feel like uh, when I got to Worlds, I was just free and like all the lifting was done and and. So a lot of people might not know this, but it, it feels to me at least, and I've talked to a few other athletes and they feel the same, that Worlds is a lower pressure meet than Nationals is here in the United States. Um, you know, at, at Nationals, you know, you you must win to, to go on to the next level and the competition is insane. Uh, and at the, at the Worlds level, there's less crowd, there's less people in the back. Uh, you know, the prep is basically the same, but it's just... It just feels a little bit different, and I got there, and I just kind of felt uh, free. You know, I, it was really, really a lot easier to just focus on performance, and it felt a little bit more like normal training than nationals felt like, uh, you know, a, a real me versus others kind of competition. Mm. Yeah, you know, like that is interesting because that's perspective. Because at worlds, it would feel as though like the competition level would be more intense because there's more guys. You've got a guy like Rizbecki who's some, you know, it, it, it would feel more intense. However, like you said, it's all perspective where nationals, you're fighting in the pressure, like you have to win to get to the next level. But once you're at Worlds, you've almost already won in the sense that, oh, like, number, th- what, what's a bronze medal? Three in the world. Like a bronze medal at the Worlds. It feels different. You almost can't lose. You, you, you come home and it's almost... Some of these guys who finish off the podium still hit world records, still bring medals in individual events. It's almost like, look, no matter what you do when you come home, people are proud you already made it that far. However, if you get, like I say, stuck at not like within the nation and not making a national team and going to Worlds, yeah, I guess the pressure would be, oh, well, I guess that's where my journey ends until next mm-hmm. year. That The pressure that way would be, I can understand, it'd be a little easier. When you show up a world, it's like, well, look at Who's gonna Who's gonna say anything if um, versus Becky outtotals me? Whatever, you know. And as a matter of fact, because he won the year before, do, do you actually? Because because some people prefer to be an underdog, prefer the pressure. Let the pressure be on another individual. Let him carry the weight of expectation and be okay. Let all the preview shows and everything pick him, and I can somewhat. <laughs> skate underneath and just do my thing sometimes it's actually easier in all sports and walks of life right there's something to be not only is it there could be like i had jen milken on she was saying yeah it, it puts a chip on my shoulder right so you have the naysayers but also um handling expectations because again that's other people exerted on you right yeah and how do you how do you deal with that like expectation levels being being put on you so looking looking at a pattern what i think i felt is that I've always kind of, I've said, okay, well, I'm going to try to perform my best, but 
you know, if I don't or if something happens, then like, so I've kind of come up with a narrative for each competition. So I injured myself about, I don't know, six to eight weeks out from IPF Worlds, the Calgary one. And I was just kind of like, well, I'm just going to put up the best performance I can. And maybe it's enough to do well. And maybe it's not. And at this competition, I was thinking, well, you know, Ashton's insane. Let me just put up the biggest total I can and just see what's going to happen. All I can do is just, you know, focus on making lifts. And that's really what I fell back on at a lot of these competitions. And it is, and do you take it? I think the hardest part for me sometimes is not like, like letting yourself down is one thing, but when you feel like you might let other people down, that's where it's almost like when you walk in there, I think Jim Hillikin said too yesterday, I almost try to lower expectations to an extent. She goes, I don't post on social media. Um, a, it's not a great idea to let people know what you're walking in with because they're starting to strategize. I know Matt, you know, has a dossier on the lifters you're going to go against. And he's like, I think if we come in here, there or whatever, um, it has to be percentages. Well, Historically speaking, they miss 40% of their last deads, whatever. But also managing expectations, which sometimes helps as well. She was like, hey, man, sometimes I like just lower little expectations, fly under the radar, you know, and it's because uh, that's one of the hardest parts is letting yourself down is one thing. If you ever feel like you let other people down, it's very difficult. How? Let me ask you this, though. After you won the world championships, A, what did it feel like to have a win like that at such like, you must have been on cloud nine. Knowing going into this, first off, Rizbecki was returning. The guy had, run, like, a historical run in the 93s, moved up to 105s, won the big clash of the 105s in Belarus, which, again, was heavily hyped, came back, was a heavy favorite, um, and then, wow, a whole other cast of 105s once again in Calgary. Nothing but killers. Nothing but killers in, in A-level guys. Um, world record smash in every single event. Coming out of that with a win. And understanding what you accomplished and knowing, like, you had been to the world, you had won nationals. What was the feeling there? It was like, oh, my gosh. Was it everything you would hope for? Was it, <laughs> what was that feeling? Like, I just, I just, I pulled it off. I did it. Yeah, so those those feelings sink in, like, way after the fact, you know? Like, right, yeah. twice now, twice now I've gone to a big competition and went against what I felt was an unbeatable person a, a few months before. You know, like, I felt like, you know, Christoph's just going to pull like 900 or something crazy like that. Like, how are we going to add 50 kilos, you know, to myself <laughs> to catch up with that? And Ashton's like, the train totals out of, out of him are insane. And that's really part of what proves to me, like, the day of competition is the only thing that matters, you know? And, and the numbers are important, but they don't matter quite as much because anything can happen. So, yeah, it's, it's just... um that, that kind of just cements focusing on the process and, and just working hard and just showing up, you know, and, and performing as best you can. felt really, really good. Um, you know, I, I wish these guys all the best, and you know, it feels great in the moment to beat them. And, um, yeah, well, when, that's, that's when, kind of the summer. When you got home and you laid your head on your pillow and you're like, oh, my God, I'm the IPF world champion. Like, did you have one of those moments where you're like, holy smokes, because, you know, this is real. This happened. Yeah, I did. It's definitely a moment of disbelief, like, um, kind of looking back over. And so a few competitions now, it's happened uh, after someone else missed uh, a deadlift, you know. So 
kind of <laughs> not not having it in my own hands, like not seeing the win for myself, but having someone else make a mistake. And you know, while you while you'd love to do it yourself, it, it almost doesn't matter how it happens. No, yeah, because that's how the numbers that's how the numbers go down. Yeah, that's sports. That's sports for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you won the IPF Worlds, and then um, I believe it was after that you made the decision. I'm going to take a year off. Was it? Did you compete again after Worlds? Or was it after Worlds? You're like, you know what? Like, was it after Worlds? Am I got my timeline correct? You got it. Yeah. So right after Worlds, I took a pretty long hiatus. I only competed May the following year, so it was almost a year later. Mm. And what was it? Because obviously Worlds, like you, that you, you get no better pinnacle than that. But you still felt as though it wasn't. You know, you, I, I I remember you posting saying, "Look, it, I feel like I'm hitting bigger numbers in training than I'm on the platform." There's a bit of a disconnect. There's a few things I want to tidy up. If, I mean, I'm on top of the world right now, but I feel like it's still not my A game. I could bring more. And um, it's, it's it's kind of weird timing where people are like, man, you just won the world champion. You're the world champion. But um, did you have that feeling before you went into Worlds? Were you telling yourself, win, lose, draw, however this shakes up, I want to do this? I was, so yeah, I, I was committed to, well, <laughs> there were a few sessions where I was like, screw this, I, I can't, you let an alternate take the spot or something like that. Oh, wow, really? Um, Holy moly, that's crazy, right? Well, the, the reason those thoughts come is like, I was lifting in a lot of pain. Um, anytime I would squat more than 140 or 315 pounds, I'd get kind of this sharp pain down my rector and my back. Same thing with around the same weight off the floor. And every session was just kind of like a roll of the dice. Like, how's it going to feel today? You know, and things were getting better over time a little bit, but I just wasn't able to lift comfortably. And, you know, anytime you're lifting in pain, you're kind of trying to change position to find like, all right, well, what feels more comfortable? And so you're second guessing how you're lifting too, and kind of having to rebuild everything from scratch. And all that was really frustrating. And I was experiencing, you know, like a little bit of burnout and, and just kind of like, why am I doing this? You know, what in powerlifting matters to me? Um, and so all those thoughts were kind of going into worlds. And I had to I had to kind of clarify and just say, like, all right, well, I'm going to compete. We'll just get whatever total possible. It'll still be good for Team USA, and I'll do the best I can. And training was starting to look a little bit better. And, you know, a few doses of ibuprofen later, had some some okay last uh, last lifts before competition, um, but still you know some pain and discomfort and stuff like that. And I said, kind of Eric and I talked um, in some conversations in Calgary in the few days leading before, and and uh, just kind of decided like, off um, worlds to nationals is like 16 weeks I think, and and I just didn't think that it would be enough time to to heal and to bring back a stronger package. And so um, we just decided to kick it forward. You know, the next competition will always be there and I'll still be training just as hard, just without nationals. And, and it really was, it really was the right decision to just miss a competitive cycle and get healthy. It's, isn't that wild that, um, I mean, you could have, you know, when you go into a competition and sometimes you're a little banged up and you always think the other person's 100% in your head. You always think, like, I see them squat this, I see them dead that. Oh, so I'm going to add, like, I'm even going to add 10% because I think they're going to be better. And you, <laughs> you never, you never actually tell you, they're human, man. You don't know what they're dealing with. I remember actually <clears throat> Brett was coaching me one time. 
And I was like, I think I need this number. I think I need that number. As a matter of fact, I pulled his best numbers previously. And if I add a little on there conservatively, and Brett's like, easy, cowboy. Easy. <laughs> he's like, he's like, you just took, you just took every PR he ever had, put it all in one day, and then added. He's like, that's the perfect storm, worst case scenario. And I was like, but Brett, I had this problem with my hip. And he's like, he's probably got a, you, you don't know what he's dealing with, man. He's like, easy, my friend. And it's, um, it's funny how history could have changed if you were like, I think I'm going to sit this one out. And it, it, maybe you would be like, look, at when I was, I don't know if you're 100% in Belarus, but when I was in Belarus, let's say you're 100% and Christophe won. Going into this, I don't feel 100. I don't know. I don't know if I should do this. And it just goes to show sometimes if you have a little faith, stick to it. You know, you just show up. Sometimes like this, it's, it's, it's almost cheesy at this point, cliche to say, but showing up really is... All, almost everything. You don't know unless you show up. And then it becomes that 50-50. You look back and you're like, ah, oh, man, I could have totaled that. You know, I should have <laughs> showed up. What was I thinking? I should have showed up. Um, yeah. Having said that, was it difficult watching nationals in Sweden worlds? I know you had to do what you had to do. It obviously worked because you had a freaking phenomenal day. We're going to get to this nationals and in terms of the showdown. Um, some really nice strategic attempt selection. We're going to talk, touch up on that with Matt. He touched up on it a little bit in the recap show, and I, we actually got a lot of feedback on that, Matt. And uh, people said they want to talk about some of that attempt selection a little more. So I'm glad you're on here. But uh, before we get there, when, when you watch Nationals and the Worlds, was it was it difficult to, to sit on the sidelines and be like, God damn, I miss... You know, like, obviously, look, at everyone knows Eli Burks is probably one of the nicest guys in the freaking in the game. You, it's crazy. When we were at the World Championships... Um, he came off the platform and he had his earphones on and um, I like I wasn't even I was just excited in the moment and I go Eli and I was like oh what am I doing the guy's fucking lifting I'm not going to ask him that and, and I turned away and I, I expected he's not going to turn around anyways he's in his own he's yes yes Ryan yes and he like came over I'm like my oh, man don't worry about me don't be he was so polite like the guy cannot be a bad dude right um, so obviously you want and he's, he's American he's got USA across the chest so you're cheering for him but not on that level, but on the level of missing, like, you've been in the last couple worlds and in the hunt. Was there, was there a little, oh, damn, this is kind of tough. This is kind of <laughs> tough to be on the sidelines and not in there. There's a, there's a little bit of nostalgia for, for not being there. But I was so sure that, like, this is the right decision. Training was going well. I'm, you know, I'm happy. I'm enjoying myself. There wasn't, like, a, a regret, like, oh, I made the wrong decision. Yeah. Um, I was just kind of happy to let these guys do their thing and just know, like, all right, I've got a plan. I'll get back there um, and, you know, let them uh, have their moment. So, yeah, it's it's cool watching lists, but there's always going to be another competition. You know, like, I, I, I've kind of learned that I don't like competing at the Arnold. I've had two terrible competitions at the Arnold. It's too much... Too much stress. It's just that the hype is next level, and three three major competitions per year is, is rough as it is. But that's one of those where you know you you watch it at home and you're like, oh, well, could I be there? Could I be doing my thing? Like, nah, I probably made the right decision. Yeah, yeah. No, it's true. And um, so after the World Championships, um, Eli takes it for America, and we're going into the U.S. Raw Nationals. And oh my gosh. Who decides I'm going to move up to the 105s? Ashton, who is, like you had said, he's a, he's a monster. He's one of those dudes that it's hard to peg him where he's capable of on any given day with a guy like that. And he also, by the way, competes 
um, like every single week, it seems, the Astro Invitational, <laughs> which, which makes scouting for him, well, it could be easy, it could be hard, because his numbers kind of shifted up and down, so I, no one was fully sure what Ashton was going to bring uh, to the table. Um, so maybe, Matt, you could speak on what were you anticipating leading into this? Because he had some competitions, but sometimes Ashton, even in competitions, he'll have a local meet where he can have an unofficial world record. He'll have a nationals where he'll come in third, and you're like, oh my gosh, like he, you, you don't know where he's going to end up sometimes. A little volatile in terms of his numbers, right? Um, but he does give a lot of data. Like every week, he's singling, and every week, you know, you, 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 you can crunch some numbers. So what were you thinking leading into nationals, knowing that you were handling Bryce? Well, I think, you know, out of respect for the other competitors, and this is kind of the way that I look at it, is like, you know, Bryce is uh, is training hard, and we see what he's doing behind the scenes, and, and he's giving me updates, and we're sharing videos and so forth, and uh, obviously he's not putting everything out on social media, which is which is wise, um, but I, out of respect for the other lifters, I always have to assume that, you know, everybody else is going to bring their A game. And, and so, you, you know, you, you, uh, like, like you all alluded to, I mean, competition uh, can, can bring about anything. You know, somebody can miss uh, a lift on, on, on depth or they can have a difficult weight cut, which can affect performance or they wake up on the wrong side of bed or something happens that creates, a, you know, an, uh, a stressful situation during their travel or what have you. And so just about anything can happen. But, but you always assume, or at least I do, I plan that they're going to bring their their A game. And so, as you said, some lifters put more out there for you to kind of chew on than others. And so, um, you know, speaking of Ashton, you know, he, he does put a, a lot of stuff out there. And he'd had some very impressive performances at some of these other meets. And he does his, uh, you know, kind of mock meet in the gym, uh, if not every Saturday, but just about every other. Kind of the, the Ashton Ruska Invitational, if you will, is what he kind of calls it. And... Um, yeah, which is which is very impressive, you know, that, that that he could do that. And so I think, you know, just looking at his his top ends there of what he did in training, you know, you start to think you're like, wow, you know, if he did this in training, what is he going to be able to do when the adrenaline's really pumping and when it when it matters when he steps onto the platform? And for some people, you know, they 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 rise to that occasion, and to others, they perform a little bit less. And and I'm not insinuating that Ashton performs less. I mean, I think the thing that I mentioned in kind of the recap show that struck me was his body weight. I was I was anticipating, I mean, we all knew that Ashton was going to be the lightest guy in the class, uh, but I don't think any of us anticipated him showing up at 94.99. Um, just based on his previous, his past few previous competitions, I think he was kind of weighing in around that 98 kilo mark. So I was kind of anticipating, you know, maybe, and, and he even said on your podcast, you know, he said on King of the Lips, you know, look, I'm not going to get fat just to get fat or bulk up just to bulk up. I'm just going to kind of allow my body to do what it's naturally doing and just allow that trend to continue. So I was anticipating he might come in between 98 and 100 kilos. So it was kind of, you know, surprising to me that he showed up, you know, at, at 94 point. I mean, he's a water cut away from, you know, making the 93s. And I think, you know, and I haven't even spoken to Ashton. I have no idea. And we always talk about everybody has their own individual story about game day. I have no idea what was going on in his life. I don't know if that was intentional. I don't know if he lost weight. I don't know, you know, what happened. Uh, but I, but one would think that those, you know, those those three kilos of of lost body weight probably affected his performance and 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 had his numbers come in a little bit lower than than I was anticipating. So I, I knew all along 
that if if Bryce just performed the way that he could perform and just, you know, focused on his own execution, which is what we try to do with all of our lifters. We try to, you know, take all the weight off their shoulders. We just want to put them in their best position to succeed. I think that's what a coach should do is just, you know, open the opportunity, create opportunities and create space for their lifters to succeed. We felt we've really felt that, you know, what Bryce was bringing to the table was was going to be enough and then some. And, and you know, just focusing on our execution and putting ourselves in the position with that last deadlift, that if we weren't pulling last, that we were going to make Ashton as uncomfortable as possible. And so that was that was kind of our game plan all along. And as Bryce said, you know, you can only do what you can do. And if you, you know, comparison is the thief of joy. So if you're constantly thinking, well, gosh, you know, I'm not going to squat as much as him and he might out deadlift me. I mean, if you focus on those things rather than focusing on what you can do, what's in your control, you know, these are the lifts that are within my wheelhouse. This is what I'm capable of doing. And I just need to literally and figuratively stack successful attempts one on top of the other. Then at the end of the day, I've got a nice big total. Because after all, this is a this is a competition for total. You know, we're not we're not. This is not a squat off. This is not a bench off, etc. So, um, you know, big case in point. I wanted to mention while you guys were talking, which is kind of a fun fact. In um, in Calgary, when when Bryce won, he took third in the squat, third in the bench, and fourth in the deadlift. Yeah. But but, but first overall. Yeah. And so that's one of the neat things about Bryce is that he's he's very well balanced and he's very uh would you, you know he's he's rarely the first in any one discipline uh, except the total which is the say, only one that really matters anyway would you say he's consistent <laughs> just, just, <laughs> just no and, and and that's great right i mean it's it, look it's it's nice when you have these lifters you know for instance a, a Christoph where's Vicky who's you know clearly at this body weight is 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 the best deadlifter in the world i mean the, the data say that and so um you know, it, it, it's nice when you have that ace card up your sleeve where he can just kind of, you know, if he's going six for six and kind of just staying in the thick of things, you're like, ah, we'll just put it on the bar. So consistent. And he's, you know, he's rarely first in any one discipline, but he's usually second or third. And so that, that adds up to a really, really huge total. And when you don't miss lifts, you know, that 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 puts yourself in a really good position and so that's you know that's what we always try to do we always try to just stack successful attempts we try to just be singular and focus and just allow him to to focus on one attempt at a time to not get ahead of ourselves you know this is the opener this is the only lift that matters for the day and then once you hit the opener the only lift that matters is the next one and so it's um in terms of like when when you do the comparisons with like social media if you get wrapped up in that game the specialists always are going to seem scarier. The guy who's consistent across all three, who might come in third or fourth across all three, people looking at, if you're comparing squats, you'd be like, well, I, I see like uh, three or four guys out squatting him, so that's not that bench. Well, there's this guy and that guy are, are out benching him, so that's not that impressive. And then deadlift. So then consistently on social media, you're seeing consistently other guys in the same weight class um, lifting more. So it gets, it, it, uh, it kind of convolutes the situation and gives like a false narrative of like, well, I mean, maybe if he's constantly, I'm seeing other people outlift him, then maybe he's not going to be in position to be number one. But powerlifting, and that's social media, right? Where you just see a big squat, big dead, big bench from certain individuals. Um, but when it comes to the day, three lift, if you're the three lift guy or the three lift girl, 
Your percentages of winning, because you're not relying on one single event. You know, you consistently break through. You podium in all three events. That's a really tough total to beat. The other guy yeah. can't miss. Literally, you load it. You're really stacking the deck on, on whoever it is. It's got to pull for that win at the end. Um, yeah. That's basically how Bryce is, you know, collectively building his career. But it is, you know, in terms of social media, that's where you can kind of freak yourself out. If you're watching, you'll be like, oh, my God, he's squatting so much more than me. Yeah, but when you add up all three, your squat's exactly what you needed. You know, yeah, so yeah, a, a perfect a perfect example of that, right? I mean, there's two prime examples. I mean, Calgary is one of them. You had Joshua Greenfield from Great Britain, who was the number one squatter, and yeah, he placed six. And then you had Barry uh, Pigeon, I believe is how you pronounce it, from Ireland, who came mm-hmm. third in the history. He came fifth overall. There's, there's a perfect example. Bryce came third, third, and fourth, but first overall. And then once again, you know, we had the same situation essentially in um, in Lombard at Raw Nationals. You know, you had Ashton go ahead and set the American record in the squat. You had uh, Amendola take it in the bench press, and Gregory Johnson took it in the deadlift. And yet there's Bryce at the end yeah. with the only with the only number that matters, which is the total. Yeah. And that's the end. You just got to win. That's basically that's it. it. When you guys <laughs> went into going into Raw Nationals, um, so obviously Ashton threw his hat in the ring and, and it made it exciting for sure. Because a lot of people, Ashton's kind of, he's a freak athlete, A-level athlete for sure. Um, going into the squad event, did you have a feeling he might go for that record, A, but B... So the, the, the attempt selection he chose with three three two, um, the next one up was a chip on uh, like so he could have forced a bigger squat if he if he took three three three, was that somewhat surprising or or do you think they're thinking look at you know we're right at the very end and a kilo more could have been too much we're just trying to chip that record what, what were your thoughts Matt when you seen something when you seen that. Because, or maybe he's thinking, look, I don't think, what were your thoughts when you see that? Yeah, that, that, I, I thought the latter. I think, I think they took what they thought they could make. And I mean, that was a, that was a tough squat for Ashton. I thought that was a good call. And they had the, you know, they had the chip to play with. They broke Garrett's record there. Um, as I said, frankly, just based on, on Ashton's training, I was expecting him to squat more. And that's not an insult. That's, that's a compliment to Ashton. Um, I, I had fully expected that they would they would break the record, of course, but but have more in the tank. And again, once again, I think I think that body weight may have affected you know their plan a little bit. And I don't know if that was intentional. You'd have to ask Ashton. But I, I thought that was a good number selection for them, you know. And they had that they, look. They had that chip to play with, and we we knew that the potentially for us the only chip that we might have would be at the end. Um, with the deadlift, but but Gregory Johnson took that away with his you know second attempt, so which was fine. So you know again, we're not we're, the goal for us is 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 not. I, and I think I can speak for Bryce. It's not you know individual American records. It's it's to win the total. That was the objective. Did you? Come- it's to be it's to be a national champion because there's only one day out of the year, like we always say, one day out of the year when you can become a national champion. Bryce can hit PBs 364 other days out of the year, and and. and but what was wonderful is that Bryce did have a fantastic performance and hit PBs in nearly every discipline. So yeah, and, and did you? How was training leaning into this one, Bryce? Were you did it did, did all the corrective you wanted to do in the off season leading into this nationals? 
Because here's the thing. Uh, Matt said in the preview show, and he said right there, look, I seen some footage that you guys didn't see. And if I'm honest, there was a couple people rumbling being like, I don't know if you know what, what Bryce is going to bring to the table here. And I'm like, I don't know. Bryce was holding his cards close to his chest. Um, and Ashton was revealing his cards. So how was training leading into this? Because Matt seemed pretty confident in the preview show. Um, body weight be damned. He thought he was coming in 98 kilo and he still didn't think it was going to make a difference. Um, and that's for the record. He said that before the fact. So obviously training yeah. was going well. How was training leading into this? This is a, this is the best train cycle I've ever had, you know, like by, by any measure. Um, and what's interesting is I was actually squatting one less time, squatting twice a week this time rather than three times a week leading into worlds and, and past competitions and still ended up feeling the best. Um, so kind of traditionally in the, in the peak, I would hit like a, a single at ramping RPEs, um, getting closer to competition and some back off volume. And, um, Natalie and I, um, Natalie Hansen would kind of help choose my number for the day. And, you know, Eric Bodhorn would help too, and just kind of add weight and, and put the right weight on the bar and, I think my heaviest, I hit a, a super comfortable 315 uh, kilo squat, 694. Um, a very comfortable 360 kilo deadlift, 795. And, and um, uh, I benched 501, you know, at some, some recent time. So all the numbers were kind of either right up there for an RPE PR or just an outright heaviest training lift I've ever done and, and fast. So... I gave us some really good, confident information. I was healthy, you know, no aches and pains, on body weight. So by any marker, it was just a great prep. And you were doing some things too, um, like hiding the weights, you know, or not, not hiding the oh, weights, yeah. but covering yeah, the weights yeah. and stuff. Um, and, and so was that like, did that help in terms of mentally just being like, look, it's not attaching to the numbers was that a social media thing to try to get some people talking? Because people were, were like doing the same thing or whatever. It got people talking. It also, you could post a lift without someone knowing what you squatted necessarily, <laughs> including yourself, as it were. Like, where did you come that about? And was that legit? Were you having fun? What was that right there? Yeah, I'll, I'll give a little backstory on that. So um, we, we did a seminar in Ireland with uh, a really great, um, psychologist named Hugh Gilmore, um, who had a presentation. Matt presented alongside. I presented alongside. This is at the European Powerlifting Conference, and among other topics, he he talked about something he did with British weightlifters, where um, it was a form of pressure training where he would cover the bar and have them come in and, and lift the weight. And the idea is, well, if you don't know what's on the bar, you're going to have to lift it as if it is your max. Um, especially for weightlifting, you, you, you have to put everything you have into it because you don't know what's on the bar. Um, and I kind of, I logged that in the back of my mind. I'm like, well, what would that look like if you applied to powerlifting? But like when I actually tried it, um, I really just tried it to kind of get over the fact that for a while there, anything over six, than I, than I normally am, do things differently, just, you know, bring the hype or, or something like that. And, and I don't want that. You know, like, there's no reason that, um, for someone with pounds, just, I guess like 80, 83, 84% should, should have that kind of mental baggage. So we tried it out, you know, I had, I had singles anyways, and I just had Natalie, um, put, put the right load on the bar for the RPE and just squat it. 
Was it successful? Well, I mean, looking back, I ended up hitting about maybe 10 to 20 pounds more than I thought was on the bar unracking it. So it was a little heavier than I thought it actually was when I unracked it. And the second thing I proved to myself was like, well, you know, all of these felt fine. So it wasn't like just for hiding the bar and for social media. And it was really just kind of an experiment. I would use it in cases where, so if I was programming that for athletes, in cases where athletes have severe anxiety around a specific number. And, you know, 595, things are great. 600 pounds, all of a sudden they're misgrooving and things just feel dramatically different. If that's the kind of lifter, and those things exist for sure. 100%. Then you might want to use this. Yeah. It's, you know, it's funny because for me, people are different the way they approach it. Some people get super amped up and hyped and some people are kind of even Steven and some people are like Alice McLean, straight up smiling and no hype in them at all. Like this dude's like walking his dog on a beautiful sunny day um, when he's pulling, trying to pull for the wind, no less. But if you're if you're somebody who hypes himself up heavily, like a Kimberly Walford style, if you're covering the plates, if she, it, it might be a situation where hey, you don't need to hype quite like that. She might be hyping up too often. Really, you're gonna crash. You you can't maintain this hype level. Um, so I know what you mean. Where like it, it might help, it might not. I think if I'm covering the plates, you're expecting a fight every time and you're coming in here like, you know, the gates of hell just opened up and you're ready. You know what I mean? Like, so I, I get where you mean where you might need to know your lifter. I also, though, on the flip side, what you said, I've hit a plateau before where there was a psychological thing with a certain round number that it's it's five pounds. But that five pounds coming into the new 500 club, 600 club, whatever was breaking me. And, and I, everyone around me is like, dude, this is so in your head. I failed it so many times in a row in the gym on competition. I'm like, I don't know, man. It's just maybe it's just my limit. They're like, this five pounds is not your limit, dude. That That's a percentage equivalent of like less than 1%. That's ridiculous. And then eventually you beat it and it becomes your working weight. And you're like, what the hell happened there? It's weird how yeah. psychologically it, it happens not just to our sport, but, you know, racers, runners, everything. There is some psychological barriers. You know, um, that's some people, even Chris uh, Dunsmore is actually researching into it. There's a huge mind-body connection when it comes to sports psychology with numbers yeah. and pushing through. But um, I love that you did that to cover it up. And I want to know, you know, how it would have worked if, if, if the weights were kind of on or not. Because, um, yeah, I think if uh, I think for sure when I start hyping myself and the adrenaline comes in my body, it's harder to gauge where, what exactly the weight was. And if I'm overtraining like that too, if I shouldn't be getting so hyped, do you, do you find that you want to get hyped for your top sets or do you find you do not want to? Um, so I think there's probably a sweet spot, not only for each lifter, but each lifter on each discipline. So you might need a different level of uh, arousal for squat, for bench and for deadlift. And I found that I probably need a little bit more than I, uh, I used to think that I did for deadlift. So just a slightly higher arousal for deadlift than I, than I used to think squats been kind of squat and bench for me are both maybe lower than most other lifters. And that's just kind of my sweet spot. But yeah, um, you certainly have like, it, it's not just like walking out of bed. You have to have some kind of level of arousal and, uh, and being ready. Matt, before we, we pass this up, I wanted to ask you, um, 
you've got to coach some lifters when you handle them and they say, don't tell me what's on the bar or tell me what's on the bar. Uh, like that's, a, that's exactly a version of covering the weights and, and mm, what's okay. been your, what's been your experience with that? Yeah, I think for the most part, I try to meet the personality of the lifter. Um, whether that's arousal, whether that's how much data they want to know, or, 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 or just their mannerisms and, and kind of their go-to strategies on game day is, is, is I'm not trying to fit them into my box. I'm trying to kind of fit into theirs. And so I, I, I want to do the things that make them feel comfortable that, that increase their probability of successful execution. And so when I have a lifter who, who, who doesn't want to know what's on the bar, then, uh, then that's fine. Then I'll just tell them, you know, that that's fine. If you don't want to know and you just want me to play the strategy and you just want to go out and lift and, and, and for those people, lots of times, uh, I say this respectfully, they may not be that versed in kilos anyway. So they go out and they just, you know, for, to your point with the trash bag thing, I think, uh, and I'll circle back to your question. I think a lot of people not only become intimidated when you mention a specific number, but they might become visually intimidated when they see a specific load, yeah. whether it's whether it's three reds or whether it's four forty fives or or for females trying to break into kind of the you know the the one big plate on each side bench club that you know that's a big milestone for a lot of females and so I think lots of times um, that level of creating a, a distraction if you will you know whether it be through trash bags if we don't use trash bags in our facility sometimes I'll just load the bar differently. If I know that someone's going for a PB for 120 kilos and, you know, instead of me slapping on two reds and a clip, maybe I'll load it differently, you know, so that they don't know, you know, and they don't know the wiser of what's on the bar. But to your point on game day, if they don't want to know what the number is, then that then that's fine. Then I'll just kind of withhold that information and just, um, uh, you know, continue to affirm them and cue them and say, look, this is within your wheelhouse. You know, it's like you to make this number. You're strong enough. You're good enough you know, et cetera. And for those that do like the data and those that do want to know the numbers, then clearly we, we kind of have those, those discussions. But I, I also don't want the lifters, particularly as we get toward the end when it's time to really crunch things in the deadlift to get too wrapped up in that. I just want them to be singular and focused. Look, you have one rep to do. You have to walk out on the platform and you have to execute this deadlift. And, uh, you know, I'm going to handle the number crunching. Clearly, we're going to have a conversation when you come off the platform. This isn't a dictatorship. Uh, you know, it's a partnership. Uh, but, but let me handle the load, uh, you know, so to speak, when it comes to crunching the numbers so that you don't need to get lost in the weeds. And I think, you know, at least Bryce and I have a wonderful relationship and friendship that way is that Bryce has got the confidence in me and my wife, Susie, you know, to get the right weight on the bar. He knows that we're not going to fumble the ball, so to speak. He knows that together we've got a lot of experience and we're going to, we're going to put a number on the bar that increases the probability of him making it and also puts him in, you know, the, the pole position, if you will, you know, or, or puts him in the best scenario that we can. And likewise, we have faith in Bryce, you know, we have faith in Bryce and we believe in him that he's going to execute the, you know, I, I, I say this, uh, you know, um, in a positive way, I expect Bryce to make the lift, you know? Yeah. And so when, when Bryce does have a miss, I mean, look, he's human, he's fallible. He's, you know, he's, he's, he's not, he's not perfect, but, but lots of times if Bryce misses the lift, you know, it's a little bit surprising. And I mean that in a good way. And that's because he is so consistent and because he does execute so well. And so anyhow, I hope that kind of answers your question. That's kind of how I try to play it is, you know, also if you have an, a lifter to your point, 
who gets really aroused for one particular lift and then they're a little bit more chill, you know, it's the coach's job to kind of help them meet that, help, help them get to that place that they need to be. You know, mm-hmm. Lane, Lane Norton, for example, is a rah-rah guy. I mean, oh, wow. you know, Screamer, Manuel, you know, those guys are bouncing off the walls on all three attempts. Total opposite so, embrace, right? Yeah, so, so, you know, if, if, if that person needs a cheerleader, if they need somebody to be there with them and get them revved up, that's fine. You know, alternatively, you know, I work with Sam Calhoun and I work with Mike Tushier. And they're very stoic and they're very calm and very, you know, placid, so to speak. And, and so you, you, you just be a calming, stoic presence there for them. And then, you, you know, that they can lean on and, 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 and kind of feel you there with them next to them, you know, and, and there's very few words that need to be said. It is. Um, I've, I've been in the gym before where somebody's got a bit of a plateau and you do that old trick where you load that bar with every like dime and cookie in the house and it's like what the <laughs> yeah. hell is what are you doing I mean, just lift it you know they don't have time to do the math they're like what the yeah. fudge is this like it's they're trying to calculate like, just don't look don't even look at it just lift it but sometimes on the flip side they're like i know it's got to be heavy because you're not doing this for a warm up <laughs> like this is god we got to be breaking into a new plateau so that can freak you out even more when you you show up and the coach has got something crazy loaded on there looks like a pyramid of some sort um <laughs> I do like to how you touched up on um, how every lift is a little different because some people are even keel, very calm, cool, collected, and consistent. It is true that Bryce is very when it comes like I when it comes to doing those preview shows, I almost start thinking Bryce is probably going to go nine for nine, eight for nine. He is very consistent. You know, he he's earned through the lifts and with hitting attempts, and it um, and things usually go that way. Um, and I don't know, like, if it's just, Bryce, do you feel as a point tie, like, man, I don't know if I'm getting lucky or I just got a good feel for things, but you have been, at least, like, on the big shows recently, um, very consistent with this. Like, you, you very rarely miss. And if you miss, it wasn't, it wasn't a crazy call. What do you attribute that to? Is this, just, is this, because there's been people who've been around for a long time and they don't have quite so they're always wild cards. They're always like they could go yeah. nine for nine and beat anybody in the world. They could go five for nine and, and have a massive dip. Yeah. Um it's it's probably a few reasons. Just on the technical side of things, it's probably the fact that my lifts are like comfortably to standard, you know, so I'm not borderline on depth. Uh I don't have like risky setups on on bench press or you know, just kind of uh extreme extreme much of anything on, on technique, you know, it's, it's kind of within the normal bell curve of, of technique stuff. So it makes it easier to, to lift to the standard. And, and the second piece is just having handlers who put the right number on the barbell. Uh, and you know, if, if you're putting the right number on the barbell more times than not, that just gives me more chances to be successful. Um, so it's kind of a combination of those two things, I think. And you, you yeah, to success. Can I, can I jump in for a second, yeah, Ryan? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ryan, can I jump in for one second? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I just want to, you know, I want to sing Bryce's praises even further here. Um, Bryce and, and, and um, has teamed up with, with uh, myself and my wife, Susie, for eight competitions. And I put together a spreadsheet, and Bryce, I, I'll send it to you after the podcast. Um, there's eight competitions that Bryce and, and us have, have done together, and, and that's a total of 72 lifts. And he has made 65 out of those 72 lifts. See what I'm so that's an, that's, a, that's, a, that's an average of 8.1 out of 9. So that's, not, that's a 90% average. And he's only missed 
out of all those competitions, he's missed one squat. And that was our third squat at the Arnold in 2018, if you recall. And um, interestingly enough, that, that one was missed on strength that day. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. And, and um, Bryce has only missed two benches, and he's missed four deadlifts. And so I think the deadlifts are, you know, understandable sometimes because you're, you're moving around for position or you're jockeying or you're trying to put something on the bar that makes somebody feel comfortable. And look, it's the last lift of the day. That's a little bit understandable. But just to say that this guy's made 65 out of 72 lifts. I mean, and, and that's just when he's joined up with us. I mean, that's not to pat ourselves on the back. It, it's to show how consistent he is and how well he executes that again, we just have the utmost confidence in him that, that, that he's going to go out and do the job. And so it, it, he makes us look good, and it's, it makes our jobs easy, quite frankly. Dude, you see why people call it Mr. Consistency. It's not slow. Here's the thing. It's, it's that adage, if you're aiming for the king, don't miss. If you're, ho- if you're going against Bryce and you're hoping he's going to have an off day and start missing, well, statistically speaking, that's not a good game plan. You got it. You got to be nine for nine. You better. He will be on the last lift. You're pulling for the win. You're probably not going to be ahead. That's that's some good stats right there. And it's it's a like it's. I know people think like it's easier said than done for some reason. When it comes to the upper echelons and, and it's elite and everybody's pushing themselves, it can't be overstated because that's some crazy stats. Eight point one. So he's he's averaging eight to nine for nine. At this level, too, Bryce is like a big game hunter. You know, it's not like he's at, at the lower levels where you're at a local meet, whatever. You're always going to go nine for nine. So it's a, I guess that's how you string together championships. But also, there might be to an extent, like, I don't know how you feel when you walk out there, Bryce, but you do seem calm, cool, collected. And maybe it is a little, like, when you hype yourself up and you're on the verge of frantic almost when you get out there. Look, for some guys... That adrenaline can jump 20 kilo on their squat, so I get it. But also, that's a variable, which can throw off consistency. When you're a little more calm, cool, collected, you you and it feels, you know, it's it's a little more consistent, probably, when you approach the bar. Is that something do you think that is a factor? How do you feel when you're in there? Because some guys, they're like, hey, look, at I know what I look like on the surface, but believe me, I'm fighting an inner battle. There are times when I'm stepping on the platform, and Matt's like, we need this. And I'm like, oh, my God. I just got a poker face, right? Um, so so what, what do you feel when you step out there? Is it like that? Because you, on the surface, when I'm like commentary for the world, you look, you look calm, cool, collected, like nothing's bothering you. It's, it's mostly that way. So all, you know, all the prep is done. Like I've, I've got Matt, uh, and sometimes Eric Helms and I have Susie there and that's kind of just a real comforting force to just go in and, you know, treat it a little bit more like training and, and, you know, whether or not this is true, I, I've got a personal belief that I feel like that extra hype, you know, those people who are super hyped up or, uh, all the little things that, that people do in, in the pre-lift ritual, that just kind of add an element of chaos, um, decrease your ability to execute. So the people who roll the bar toward themselves when they pull or the people who run out of the platform and try to quickly set up, like you just, there's more room for small errors. Uh, You know, a hand position that's slightly different than normal. You hit the bottom of the hole in in just a slightly different angle and you've got to fight a little more than normal. Those little variations add up especially when we're talking max lifts and national competitions mm-hmm. that being said that being said when it's like the world championships 
and you're pulling like there's got to be a difference though when it's like okay this is it like when you when you won the world championships did you realize oh my like i'm right there for a gold and it comes down to your last lift do there's was there different feelings how do you stay calm because i know like when you say that it's like my god man when you're especially with (laughs) especially with the 105s that you were in like you were in a battle yeah. that everybody that that place was jarred, packed. People were hanging off of rafters. The electricity—it was crazy in that room. Like <laughs> I could feel the energy in the room when the 105s. Other, I, you know, you're in the highest division when most other lifters put time out their day to make sure. Well, I'm going to watch the 105s. It, yeah. Some lifters who lifted later on were like, I, I, I don't care. I got to show up. I'm not missing the 105s. Like some lifters yeah. were like, I'm tired. I could be out sightseeing, whatever. Like, but I'll be back for the one of fives. So, when, <laughs> so when you were lifting and it's the last lift in Omaha, you could be winning the world championships. Do you you must feel some anxiety. Like, huh, oh, this feels a little different. <laughs> yeah, it, it definitely does. You know, it's it's not just calm and cool and collected the the entire time all the way up to the finish. Uh, a weird thing happens in, in competition, especially like I, I have a very short term memory, you know, I'll come off the platform on squat and barely remember being out there. You know, I'll come off the platform on deadlift and barely remember the, the entire lift, just being out on the platform just feels like a blur. Um, and I do a lot better when the, the possible outcomes are not known to me, you know? So if, if I'm being handled, like, the, the worst possible thing to tell me is like, if you make this, you're a world champion. If you miss this, you're third. You know what I, mean? yeah, really? I don't, I don't, I don't want to hear that because it just, it just heightens the overall state of the lift. Uh, and it's, it's a little bit irrelevant for the lift. You, you're going to go out and try to lift it anyways, you know, and you're going to try as hard as you can anyway. So telling me what the stakes are doesn't do a whole lot for me. And, and I prefer not to know that some of the lifters might be different. Yeah. They want to know what's up, what's on the line so they can go attack and, and, you know, bring, bring out that inner special place where they perform their best. But, um, thankfully Matt and Susie don't do that. And, you know, it's just, uh, we're going to put the right weight on the bar. And you're going to go out and do your thing, and and all, all the analysis can be safer afterwards rather than during. For me, is is, is it ever a case where Matt's trying to be cool? He doesn't tell you what the weight on bar doesn't tell you what the stakes are, but the, the man's got a tear dripping from his eye, and you're like, oh right. my god, Matt. Well, you don't have a yeah. poker face, Matt. Come, why are why is Susie crying right now? What's happening? What, what are yeah. we looking at here? He's like he, he's giving you. I'm just so proud of you. <laughs> you're like God, Matt. Pull it together, bro. You come on, he's, I'm not going to say what's on the bar. I'm not going to say what's on the stage, but he's fighting back tears. And he's like, well, yeah. like did, in Calgary, did you have a bit of a sense? Okay, this feels a little different. People are leaning in from their seats. What's going on? Yeah, so like if I'm waiting to go out for my third deadlift, you know, I've got my headphones on and I'll take my headphones on and the audience is like extra loud. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, like I think we're in this. I think we're in this. Yeah. I'm not battling for seventh anymore. This is, this is real. Yeah. Yeah. It is, it is a bit of a, it is a bit of a balance because like that story. So, so you, you, you follow like Olympic lifting a little bit. I'm not a big Olympic lifting guy, but Tommy Kono is um, like the Matt Gary of Olympic lifting. So to speak, he was on the, he was a national team coach. Um, and this is a very big compliment to Tommy Kono, by the way. <laughs> but uh, but uh, but Tommy Cotto is a he was a national team coach. He's a several time world champion, but he was coaching the national team at the U.S. level, um, at the world level. Sorry, 
And on, on in his office, he doesn't have a lot of pictures of lifters, but he's got, I think it was the cover of Time magazine, and the title of that magazine read um, Incredible Strength. And everybody says, well, what? who's on the cover of that magazine, Incredible Strength, of, in Tommy Connell's office? And was it this guy? Was it that guy? And they're all trying to name who they thought was on the cover of this Time magazine, Incredible Strength. And Tommy Connell said, no, nah, it's none of those world champion lifters. It was a mother who had lifted a car off her child. And every vertebrae broke and the whole nine, but she did it. And scientifically speaking, should never have happened. And, you know, and, it, and it literally, textbook, it happened. It was documented. This, this took place. And people are like, why do you got that up in your wall? And he goes, because I tell people, when you need it, you have no idea what's in the tank and what's there when you, re when you really need it. Well, someone's like, I've never hit this before. I don't know. It's there. If I load it, it's there. Trust me, mm -hmm. from what I'm seeing, it's there. You need it, you need it today, and it is there today. I don't care if it wasn't there last time. I don't care if it wasn't there training. Trust me, it's there. So there is a, there's that balance where science meets belief and things turn magical and whatever, right? But um, so I, it is that careful towing of the line. And it's different for other people too. Like you said, look at for myself, my third is going to be my third. My strength is going to be my strength. I'm amped up enough. Thank you very much. Um, you don't have to tell me my children are, are underneath the car. <laughs> you know, you can, you're going to get me psyched out. And for other people, like Elaine Norton's probably on the total opposite end where he's like, Miss mm -hmm. Elaine, <laughs> the building is burning and your wife and children are inside and I need you to run in. Are you going to run in there for me, Elaine? Yes, I will, sir. <laughs> he's going to march out there and he's lifting that car off his children type deal. Um, so, I mean, that's, that's why sports are beautiful, man. You have all different types. Um, so walking into that last deadlift, you had explained a little bit, uh, Matt, in terms of the strategizing, the last deadlift, the U.S. Raw Nationals. Let, let's take it back to there. But just to bring people, because some, uh, you know, when you said that, just briefly, just like, hey, look, here was the situation. I knew I could force her hand, and Ashton had to pull for the win. Well, guess what, young man? I'm going to make you pull a little more. Um, and a lot of people started hitting me up. And, and, and there's a, look at it. You guys are so knowledgeable, been in the game for a hot minute. I know, Bryce, you were in the Raw Nationals when the Raw Nationals was like a local meet compared to what it is now. You, you'd, you'd see, you'd seen it, you've been there. Totals were not even close to what the totals are now. Streams were funny because you would, like, I remember streaming where I just refreshed a page and the scorecard refreshed. And, oh, mm -hmm. it either turned green or it turned red. And that was my stream. There was no, like, production, podcast, preview shows, whatever. Um, so a lot of people watching nowadays, they're like 20 somethings, young in the game, been in it two to three years, have no idea about how deep handling goes in terms of like the strategizing. There is, there is people who are phenomenal at programming and there are people who are phenomenal at game day and, um, and can really nerd out on this and crunch numbers and they know all the rules and how to really put the pressure on somebody. It is no longer, and this will also bleed into the U.S. Invitational, we'll get there in a second. But it is no longer whoever the strongest person wins. It is no longer, well, you just, you know, I load the bar with whatever you have. It's become a game day situation, strategizing. And Matt, you touched up on a little bit. And some of our listeners and watchers who might not know, who, who didn't look at things like that, didn't realize, well, I got some DMs being like, can Matt go a little deeper into what happened on those deadlifts? Can he go a little deeper into explaining what he, what he meant there? And I was like, all right. Let me have Matt on here, and we'll get a little deeper into it. But 
You had forced Ashen. Ashen had a big pull anyways, and then you forced his hand to load up a little more on top of that. Can you explain what was going on in the deadlifts and how you guys strategize the opener second and then ultimately the third lift? Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, if you just you, you and anybody listening at home can always pull up the results and kind of, you know, track along with me. But if you look at where they were at subtotals, uh, Bryce, Bryce had a five and a half kilo lead at subtotal. So uh, Bryce had, had accumulated five hundred forty two and a half kilos and Ashton had five thirty seven. And the reason that Ashton had kind of that weird number, because once again, he had the chip advantage that he'd used when he squatted three thirty two for the American record. So Ashton, of course, is lighter, and um, but we had the lot number advantage. So can you tell I people also what that means? Because here's another thing: people are like, yeah. "That's getting tossed around a lot in the preview show." And I got some yep. DMs be like, "Can you guys please explain how do you get the lot number?" And so, yeah, so lot number um, is a randomly assigned number that every single lifter at a championship gets, and it's assigned before the championship starts. And so uh, for local competitions that are small and uh, much fewer competitors, sometimes uh, I know that kind of the old school method was literally and figuratively kind of drawing these numbers out of a hat and assigning them to lifters. Uh, sometimes um, local competitions will actually use the timestamp now at which you registered, and that has a correlation with your lot number. I'm not exactly certain how they do it for national level meets when you have approximately 1,250 lifters. I don't know how they generate or how they assign these lot numbers, but it is a random assignment. I mean, you could do a, a sort in Excel, you know, Bryce is an Excel wizard. I'm sure he could come up with a method of, of randomly assigning, you know, lot numbers to people, but it's a randomly assigned number and it determines two things. It determines the order in which you weigh in. So the lower lot number will always weigh in first. And then it determines the lifting order when the same attempt is taken. So if, if Bryce and Ashton are both lifting 300 kilos, then Ashton is required to go first because he has the lower lot number. So, you know, presumably the advantage is, I mean, look, if you have somebody who has this huge weight cut, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're trying to suck down weight to get into, you know, they want to get on the scale as fast as possible. Yeah. So maybe that would be a case where the, having the lower lot number would be an advantage because they would get to weigh in early and therefore have more time to kind of replenish and rehydrate and get back to a normal body weight before competing. But most of the time, you know, you want the higher lot number, uh, particularly when you're in a tight competition and you know that it's going to come down to deadlifts or even at championships, at a world championships, where perhaps you don't have um, an opportunity for an overall medal, a gold or, a, you know, a podium at the end of the day, but maybe you're vying for a bench medal. And, and it's nice to have that higher lot number because you can then kind of jockey and play the game and just match attempts you know, especially if you have a body weight advantage. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when, when you're the, when you're the lighter lifter and you have the lot number, you therefore have two advantages because you can tie someone, you know, and take the same attempt, which means you're going to go after them. And if you tie them and you're the lighter guy or the lighter girl, then you actually win on body weight. And so you're after had, them, yeah, that's, that's double whammy. Yeah, that's a double whammy. You know what I mean? So it's it's these different. You know, I kind of it's analogous to kind of playing cards. And you know, the, uh, you know, what are the highest cards in the deck? You know, and the ace of spades is pretty, you know is most of the time the highest card in the deck. And and so you know, look, matter of factly, I mean, the, the greatest asset in this sport is to be the strongest person in the room. You know what I mean? Uh, I compete at 105, and and I can't even total you know within 200 kilos of Bryce. So there's no you know. 
rabbit that I can pull out of my hat that is going to, you know, manufacture and make up those kilos. If Bryce and I are competing against each other, you know, his his last warm-ups are more than my current ups. <laughs> yeah, I like, have no chance. Susie's like, like, it's going to take a miracle. It's going to take a miracle. Literally Do you believe? But, Do you but believe? In, obviously in cases where the combatants are of the relatively, you know, same strength level or they're close, you know, the advantages are to be the strongest person in the room, to obviously have the body weight advantage, and of course the lot number. So in this case, Bryce was heavier, but he had the lot number advantage. So once again, we had a five kilo lead uh, at subtotal going in going into the deadlift. And we were also opening heavier than Ashton. So, you know, once, but, but we knew, or at least I knew from my scouting, looking at Ashton's past competitions, and, and he even said on your podcast, you know, he traditionally likes to open lighter in the deadlift and take a little bit more robust, uh, aggressive jumps. And so I was a little bit surprised that his opener was as light as it was. I, I, I thought that he was going to open a touch heavier, and I thought that he was going to jump higher. But they played their game plan, and look, he, his first two, two attempts looked exceptional. So, you know, we, we took our opener at 340 kilos, and, and that was our plan. And, and um, you know, interestingly, Bryce kind of walked out for that first opener, and, and I could tell that Bryce was getting a little bit visibly frustrated. Um, the platform was really a mess at that particular time, and, and that's not an excuse. I mean, every single lifter has to deal with these same circumstances, you know. So And, and, and Bryce is not one to complain. I mean, he, he rolls with the punches and makes the most of it. But I could tell his, his setup and his approach for the opener took a little bit longer because there were some divots in the platform. There was some accumulation of baby powder. There had been some urine on the platform, et cetera. And so he was really kind of struggling to get the bar in, in his perfect place. But nevertheless, once he kind of – settled down and found his spot. He smoked the first attempt and, um, you know, it was all systems go. And so uh, the 340 looked good. I asked him how it felt. He said, fine. And uh, we all huddled up afterwards. You know, Natalie played a part in that as well as my wife, Susie, and we decided to go to 360. And so we did. And, um, and Ashton jumped, you know, from, from 327 and a half to 350. And, um, and Bryce, and they both made their lifts well. And I'll, and I'll say this, Ashton's second attempt probably looked a little bit better than Bryce's second. Um, you know, it looked like, wow, you know, that's, that's about as fast as I've ever seen 350 kilos move out of Ashton. I was like, wow, he, he absolutely vaporized that second attempt. And I think that was a smart play on their part. You know, they took, they took a nice solid second attempt. They didn't go crazy and presumably wanted to leave some room in the tank, you know, to put on what they were going to need for the third. So that's really, at this point, that's where the strategy came in because we had a 15 and a half kilo lead on Ashton after uh, the second deadlift. And so um, he, you know, he was, he was the number that Ashton actually needed was 365 and a half. Okay. That was the number that Ashton would have needed to, to actually win the meet because he could have tied Bryce's total and won on body weight. But we strategically went to 370 kilos for two reasons. First of all, that's what we thought Bryce had. I mean, that's, you know, when he did the 360, we kind of huddled up and we said, hey, how did that feel? And, and so forth. And he goes, I think I've got about 10 or 12 and a half at the most. And so we kind of, you know, huddle up and, and we decided upon putting in 370 kilos for two, for two reasons. First and foremost, it's a number that Bryce can do. Right. I'm not going to put anything on the bar that I know that he can't do. Yeah. Uh, that serves that serves none of us uh, well. And so it increases his confidence level because he knows that it's in his wheelhouse. So it's a high probability make for us. 
But most importantly, in that particular situation, what it did, because we had the lot number advantage, and you can't come down. You know, Ashton can't say, oh, okay, you know. I mean, as it stands, Bryce went out. He hit the lift, but his callus popped and ripped off at the very top. So just at lockout, I mean, that was a really solid number. It was a solid lift. The execution was great. He got right to the lockout and was literally popping his hips through. You can see it on the live stream. Pretty much had the sucker locked out, and it just popped out of his hands. And so there's nobody who can predict those sorts of things. Mm -hmm. You know, that just that just happened. I know I know that uh, Bryce is diligent when it comes to hand care and, and taking care of his calluses. But, hey, that's competition, and those sorts of things happen, and you just roll with the punches. So it popped out of his hand. So – Again, the number that Aston needed was 365 and a half. That would have won him the championships. But because we went to 370 and we had the lot number advantage, uh -huh. Ashton was not allowed. They'll never take weight off the bar on the platform. So he can't come down and say, oh, I want you to download the bar to 365 and a half, which is the number that I need to tie Bryce and win on body weight. So it forced his hand to take additional weight. So he had to take... 372 and a half kilos was the number that they loaded on the bar because that was that was the least amount of what he could take. He couldn't even ask for 370 at that point because once again we had the lot number. You now would, would he have had the option to put that on and lift before me too, assuming I would miss? Yeah, I mean he could. They they could have done that. Yeah, yeah, I mean, they yeah they they could have, but they they didn't. I think they were in a wait and see mode, right? I think. Yeah. I think they also thought, like we thought, like Natalie, myself, and Susie thought, we, I, I had every expectation that Bryce was going to go out and make this and, and pad our lead even more. You know, That would have given us 9, 12 and a half kilos, and then Ashton would have needed, oh gosh, I guess 382 and a half is the number, of the, or 3 or whatever that number that is. But we forced Ashton's hand to take more than, than he actually needed. So he took 372 and a half, and let's say that Ashton would have made that number. Uh, that would have given him a total of, I'm adding it up now, that would have given him a total of 909.5. So he would have beaten Bryce had Ashton made that lift by seven kilos. But once again, he didn't need those seven. Yeah, he so, forces it. Yeah. You know, you're, you're forcing the lifter's hand. You're trying to make them feel as uncomfortable as possible. And look, maybe on a normal day, you know, uh, that number, you know, Ashton has deadlifted more than that before. Uh, I think in coming in, we kind of anticipated that he would be good for that. I mean, look, frankly, we thought both of these guys were going to pull over 800 pounds, you know. And, and look, Bryce was a callus ripping off of his hand away from doing that. And so, you know, we were, I, I mean, we, we, we fully anticipated both of these guys totaling 2,000 plus. I mean, that was that was our expectation, but we knew that it was going to come down to the end. And, you know, we want to use every single bullet in our gun, so to speak. And we want to stack as many successful attempts on top of each other as we can. You know, it was unfortunate that we missed our third bench, uh, but it was what it was. And that was where we are. And so you can't, you know, at that point, you can't look back and focus on the past. Mm -hmm. You have to focus on what's in front of you. And, and so that was, that was the strategy that we employed. And, and, and thankfully, it, it worked out for us. And because um, Bryce was pulled on second attempts, he pulled heavier, so he pulled afterwards, even if Ashton changed his third attempt, you only have two changes. Bryce right. has got two changes loaded in his gun as well. Okay, I yep. can change. Oh, then you change again. Well, I, you'll always get the last say. Sure. You can always continuously get the last say. And, all right, do you want to play that game and keep changing the number? I get the last say 
So if you want to keep increasing and we both fail our second fine, guess yeah, who wins? Over. So that's where it becomes, you really backed him into a corner there. Yes, yeah, yeah he could keep changing and loading the bar and soaking you. And if you want to bluff and play chicken, right. let's load up 400 kilo and call it a day. Sure. I'll give yeah. it. I'll pull the slack out of the bar and then wave to the crap. And you know, it was, it was a, it was. A, by the last deadlift, it was a tough situation for you guys. Backed them into a tough situation. Yeah, because we can, you know, having that lot number advantage, we can just put in a higher placeholder than them. Mm-hmm. So you know, whatever they change, they make, we can go higher than them. And then, like you said, haha, jokes on you. Because if we both put in, you know, an outrageous number that neither one of them can pull, well, the game's already over anyway, right? Yeah. We've already we've already won after our second deadlift. Let's go to the medal ceremony. Yeah, that's so. right. That's where Bryce like, I'm really good with just ending it right here at an eight lift if you like. If you like. And the, 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 the really the really exciting thing, and I, and I don't just say this, um, you know, in a cavalier way. I mean this with all sincerity. Is that Bryce's best is ahead of him. And so, you know, we, I, I know that, that one of his, other, I mean, look, we said it before, there's only one day out of the year when you can become a national champion and there's only one day out of the year when you can become a world champion. So on those particular days, the primary focus is winning, right? That's the primary focus. That is the ultimate objective and he's process oriented, not outcome driven, but look, we are after a specific goal and, and that's where, you know, Susie and I and come in, in handy and, and try to play our cards uh, the best that we can, but he can hit a PB any other day of the year. All that being said, he did hit some PBs. Yeah. So he did, did get some icing on the cake. Um, I know that he wasn't, uh, he didn't hit his goal of, of hitting 2000 pounds, but we were projecting higher than that. And I think, you know, as the game kind of unfolds, if you will, you know, things happen uh, that perhaps weren't expected that you can't necessarily plan for. And, you know, this, that, and the other thing, but it's exciting to think that, you know, it took a tremendous amount of maturity uh, and level headedness uh, for Bryce and Eric to say, you know what, not this year, we're going to sit this one out. And they took the time to kind of uh, retool the engine, so to speak, and look at the product that he put forth. And when you package up, you know, a perfect day for Bryce, I mean, the, the, the sky's the limit. I mean, he's he's got capability of going much much bigger. So and and that and I'm not saying that to put pressure on him. I'm saying that to affirm him and to compliment him and to give him confidence that there's more in the tank. You know, and look, we had a little bit more in the squat, but this is not a squat competition. You know, I told Natalie and Susie we took 322 and a half on our third squat, and I said that's the right call. I'm in agreement with this number, but I'm telling you right now. He's going to make it look like he has two to five more. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just, but, but, but again, hey, look, we want to make the third squat and in making it not fry his back for his third deadlift. Yes. Because, because momentum builds one way or the other in a competition. And you want him to come off after the squat series, which is always the most stressful series for everybody, right? There's this collective sigh in the warm-up room when the squats are over. And so, you know, because they're stressful, um, you know, because it's the first event. And because the weight literally and figuratively is on top of you. And so, um, you know, when, when the squat is over, it's this uh, collective side that, that lets out. And you want your lifter to have made three without having to, you know, empty their gas tank. Yeah, you don't want to be like, hey, great, I made three, but that's all I got. Like, we <laughs> emptied the tank in that last third one. Um, we, got, we got a bit of a time crunch here because me and Matt got um, Sam... Uh, in 15 minutes, but before we before we end this, before we let you go, 
we had spoken a little bit about like nationals being if you win nationals it's a it's a big deal because it punches your ticket for worlds and historically speaking walking into calgary worlds was was the top right like obviously um, after the worlds you've already made it you're invited to the party what however you do in worlds whatever medal you come home with is phenomenal it's the world championships now with the spd invitational the worlds there's another step and and there's money involved and we haven't seen what the spd invitational is going to look like but i can only assume it's top-end production with the type of money they said that they're giving out they haven't broken up specifically but 300 over three hundred thousand dollars us i can only assume the production value and everything is going to be phenomenal i'm I'm expecting ESPN level production. It's going to look really good. And then paychecks in the whole nine. Um, so it kind of is going to be a little different coming into Belarus this year. It, because you have another step. You have like a, you, we're becoming professional athletes at this point, which is kind of cool. Um, does it change at all? I mean, it, we're, this is a year out, but does it change how you're viewing world championships now? And um, what are your thoughts about the SPD Invitational in terms of the excitement level and goal setting? And, you know, when as a lifter and you've won Worlds and you know you're full well damn capable of doing this, you know, what, what, did, what were you thinking when you saw that? I think it's it's an insanely cool thing that SPD is doing. Um, everyone was kind of blown away when it came out, myself included. Um I, I talked to Pete Spence from SBD USA quite a bit, and he said, "Oh, we got something big coming." And, and I didn't know this is this is what it is. I think for a lot of people, this might change which competition they're really aiming for. Um, I, I mean, kind of, because you still have to go to Worlds to to get the. No, you have to go to Worlds. But you have to win Worlds, like to, to even get invited to this, um, which is understandable. This is the type of people who would get invited. Or you get you know some kind of wild card um, slot. I, I personally would have liked it to be a different time of the year. I feel like April's a little close to Worlds um, for that kind of turnaround. It, assuming that March for a lot of people is already a tight turnaround going into going into Worlds, pushing it one month sooner um, might even make that a little bit more precarious. But we're still going to see some amazing performances this year. It's not in the cards because I didn't do Worlds last year for me, so we'll see some great performances put up there anyways. Um, but more from a psychological perspective, like when you add external uh, goals and, and external rewards, it really changes the nature of the sport a little bit. You know, when, when you're vying for not only the win or the trophy, but like real hard money, people are going to be pushed to do things that they don't ever do. You know, like you, <laughs> like if you squat this weight, uh, then you get ten thousand dollars. But if you add five kilos, you get fifty thousand dollars. Like holy shit. Yeah. That's a lot. Yeah, that's a difference. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think um you know I I think this is where if you stay even keel, you got a personality kinda like yourself where you're calm, cool, collected, stay consistent. You got you got handlers, um presumably I mean this is well ahead, but Matt or whoever's there where it's calm, cool, collected, and you eat the food that's on the table, as opposed to if you're a little more rambunctious and you're like, let's roll the dice and let's start reaching. I mean, you see how some days can unravel when you start that way on squats and, oh my God, we ended up one for three on squats. Like, the pr it's different. You know, it's, it's going to take a bit of calm, cool heads coming together. Understand the game. Understand, understand lot numbers and strategizing and stop looking around you too much and piece it mm -hmm. together. What's realistic? 
maybe if you put together your best possible nine for nine day, the overall's not there. In certain weight classes, it might not be if you're working off IPF points. So if you're thinking, look, if we could collect a lot of checks, just chip in some world records. If world records, I don't know how much a world record is there, but if world records have a check attached, we walk away with three events, an overall, all right, look, we're all shaking hands and we had a pretty good day, <laughs> you know? So yeah, yeah. strategizing could be a whole different, it's a whole nother ball game. Matt, you're gonna have to start putting some uh, some stipulations to get a little piece of the pie on that that's prize right. for these yeah, that's game right. day handling. Exactly. All, all of a sudden, look, it's it's. I mean, we joke, but it like when money changes things, all of a sudden it starts becoming like I have game day uh, at nationals rates, and then I have percentage yeah. rates. You know, ten years from now, who knows, right? It's like one of those. Yeah, guys. I mean, I mean uh, caddies have fees at major golf tournaments, so. Uh, hey, look at look, someone's like, well, so and so's a lot cheaper. Well, let so and so handle you. You let me know how that works out for you. You know what I mean? It's who knows? Like, it's the progression of the sport. Um, yeah, right. It is. It is year one. I think all eyes are going to be on Manchester uh, to see how it plays out. And we're, I think, we're yeah. all going to learn to a certain extent. You know, we're all going to learn a little bit because it's not even total. It's like you got to break out your IPF points calculator real quick on the fly and start adding up some numbers. And you got, oh, yep. by the way, you got 60 seconds to do so. And, uh, yeah, it's it's going to be nerve-wracking. I'm excited to call, uh, you know, see, like, the preview show, try to crunch these numbers. And it's going to be difficult even there, you know, and, and yeah. possible world records and whatnot. But, um, well, I guess we'll cross that bridge when we get there. But we got, my man Matt, we got 10 minutes. I know I got to do a quick refuel myself. Bryce, thank you very much for coming on, my man. Uh, much appreciated. I know you're a busy guy, and um, you punch a ticket to Belarus. That was the goal. Here we are, my friend. So much appreciated for your time, sir. Uh, Matt, as always, much appreciated for your time. we got a little Thank more to go. Thank um, you. Bryce, I want to give you the opportunity, A, to shout out any sponsors, and B, to thank anybody while we have you. Yeah, uh, I've got to thank Matt here for, for handling me so well. Matt and Susie did a great job. Uh, to Eric Helms, to my team, the strength athlete, and uh, 3DMJ, everyone did a phenomenal job at Nationals. This was awesome. Uh, the other coaches I work with, um, Eric, Hanny, and Joe, all did a wonderful job with their athletes, and it's awesome to see their success out there, too. Um, if you want to find out more about coaching, uh, we've got a website at strengthathlete.com. You can... Um, take a look or inquire about some services and otherwise just thanks for following along the journey and I'll see everyone at Belarus again. There it is, man. There it is. Thank you for your time, my friend. We'll talk soon. Good luck in training. All right. Thanks. See you, Bryce. Talk to you see soon, you. Matt. I'll shoot you a line, sir. Yes, sir. Okay. And there you've had it. Um, Bryce Lewis. Um, I mean, yeah, he, he lives up, man. It's a, uh, you know, powerlifting in the 105s is, is totally uh, like a, a snapshot of powerlifting in general, especially when you had people like Screamer Manuel in the mix, Bryce Lewis, uh, Christopher's Becky, who's as stoic as they come. He, does, he doesn't speak very much English, so back there, I mean, he, he's not smiling for nothing. You know, he, he wins sometimes, and it's hard. He doesn't, he's so stoic. And then the language barrier, you know, he, he starts, and, and, and you look at him, the guy's body pieced up. Um, it feels like, you know, that Rocky Four, the guy from the Eastern Bloc who comes in there and it's very intimidating. You get to know him when he's not that guy, but um, everybody's different when they come on, and everyone has their different approaches. And Bryce Lewis literally is that Mr. Consistency where he treats every lift the same. 
You know, he treats every competition the same. Um, and across the board, the results, he's always in the top of the mix, consistently all the way through. And, um, and, and, and he pieces together, that's that. You could be, you can have squat, out bench, out dead me on certain lifts, certain people do that. But at the end of the day, he consistently posts up eight for nine, nine for nine, you know, and, uh, and, and gets those wins. Um, and the stats don't lie. You know, the numbers add up, the good attempts add up, and the stats don't lie. So I'm glad he, he came back on the show and talked about, you know, winning the world championships and stepping away from the air. Shocked some people at the time, but there's always background stories. There's always, you know, Matt says everybody's got a story. And there's always reasons why people do certain things. So he stepped away for a year, adjusted, fixed those situations, and came back stronger than we've ever seen him. Came back stronger than we've ever seen him and, and missed a couple lifts. If he had lowered just a stitch on the third bench, what's his total? Callis didn't rip off. What's his total? Um, so what's he, what he's going to put forth in, in Belarus? You know, we're already into the 900s. What's he's going to put forth by the next SBD Invitational? I mean, we don't want to get ahead of ourselves. He's got to win in Belarus, but the future looks bright. You know, he's piecing together quite the career on himself. So interested in seeing what Bryce does, but um, I got about five minutes to refuel. Got another podcast. We are back to back to back to back with these bad boys. So don't go nowhere. As always, subscribe. Um, hit the like button. Post up in your Instagram stories because guys like Bryce deserve it. And um, yeah, visit Bryce, the website. Um, I mean, he's a phenomenal coach. He's a phenomenal coaching staff from Six Pack Lapidat. Peace.